Does God value our worth like the bank? It's what we possess, it's what we have. I don't think so. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hemp. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We study Psalm 34 today. It is really, really great. And Corey and Ryan are here to tell us what they're doing, Corey. I'm taking a look at ancient food today, but specifically bread. Ryan? Today, to go along with our readings through Psalms, I'm continuing with my study on creation. So on this program, we're gonna take a close-up look at an amazing little creature called the nudibranch. All right, very good, and I love this series. Bread is awesome, I know what that is. That's a good piece. Anyway, uh, Janice? Happiness is the Lord. All right, there you have a, <laughs> you have a musical rendition of that. Very good, it's gonna be excellent. All right, get your Bible guide out, turn to today's passage as we study this, and listen to what the Lord has said, as we're gonna read the Bible now, about what he said to us. Psalm 34, verses 1 through 10. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, Blessed is the man who trusts in him. O oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Psalm 34, verses 1 through 10. You know, we talk about Psalms and Psalms 33, 34, 35, and 36. That's what we read today. And let me tell you something. The world in which we live as Christians judges us based on our income and our possessions. In fact, it judges everybody that way. But let me ask you a question. Does God judge us that way? Does the Lord use the banking system to determine what our worth is? Nope, he does not. And we as Christians should adjust our thinking to the way God thinks and not the way the rest of the world does. Now, when Psalm 34 verse 10 says, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. What does that mean to not lack any good thing? I mean, the provision of God for his people, no matter what happens when others abuse or use them, that provision is eternal. When people think their life is over, when they cannot meet their wants or their needs, the Lord our God reminds us that our best life is not here on earth, but will come in eternity with him. That's true. We need to keep that in mind. So let's not skip to the quickest, easiest thing to remember 
but let's learn. Let's go forward and learn about God. That becomes very important today. Today, our great Redeemer, Psalm 34. Now take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage. It's a great one. If you don't have a Bible guide, call us or write us. We'll send you one or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And in BibleDiscoveryTV.com, uh, you can click on it, the page of the Bible guide. It'll take you to a donate page. Thank you for your donations. We very much appreciate them. And uh, it'll take you to the page. You can download it, the entire guide in a PDF file. It's absolutely excellent. And you can get it just how we've printed it. But let's pray. Father, we need to understand this. How great are you? I pray, Lord, that there's no way that we can truly understand this because it would kill us. But I pray, Lord, that we would hear from your word a touch of how good you are. Help us, Lord, to understand what you've said to us and how you've said it so that we can be ready to respond to people and to things the way you would have us respond. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen and amen. All right, let's take a look at this scripture because it's great from Psalm 34. Turn to it. Here is what the Bible says. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. All times. I will bless the Lord at all times. All times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. All times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. That's what he sings. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. David invites all of those who love the Lord to praise his name. Let me remind you of something. God is our help. God is our hope. God is always our help. God is always our help. He never reneges on that promise, that promise. He said, lo, I'll be with you even to the end of the age, Matthew 28. That's the last thing he said after the Great Commission. Everybody focuses on the Great Commission. That's fine. But remember what he said, I will be with you to the end of the age. And then John 14 says, don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. For in my father's house, there are many rooms and mansions and houses, and I will go and build you one so that where I am, you will be also, and I'll come back and get you. Oh man, I want to tell you something. That is remarkable. Okay, I'm going to get off on a track here. But anyway, let's focus on this. Psalm 34 verse 4 says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. All of them. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps, listen to this, the angel of the Lord encamps, it means he stays all around those who fear God and delivers them. Do you understand this? We don't worship angels. We don't talk to angels, but do you get it? God makes provision for us. There are angels watching over us if we fear the Lord. Angels are keeping track of everything. Let me tell you something. It's Everybody talks about justice and they want justice, but let me tell you something. The angels of the Lord are active. God is always good all the time. 
all the time. All right, let's go back to the scripture because it's, it's better now. 34 verse 8. Oh, taste and see the Lord is good. Taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Do you understand what God is doing here? David says that blessed are those who trust in the Lord. Our trust is not in government. Our trust is not in human things, but our trust is in God alone. On the American dollar and all the coins and all the bills, it's interesting. Because as you look at it, you begin to understand that it's worth something and now it's being devalued and everything else. But there's a statement made on it that our forefathers made years ago. And that statement is simple. In God, we trust. In God, we trust. We need to think about that. The money was put there so that we could see that. The words were placed there so that we could hear that. As a country where the dollars used primarily around the world, everybody knows what it says. In God we trust is the main essence of what we're saying. Now, it's interesting how things are changing, isn't it? Because we're in the end times. But I find that fascinating. As we continue to explore things, we need to understand this. Our trust is not in government. Our trust is not in human things. Our trust is in God. Do we trust the Lord? Do you? Oh, I know that, you know, you get offerings or you rather you get uh, income from your paycheck and all that stuff. But do you trust in the Lord? This is something that's going to be tested in God's people. And I believe that if we trust in God, God will make miracles. In fact, I believe it because I've seen it. 32 years we've been doing this. And I want to tell you something. We've seen it firsthand. God has an ability to help us. And beloved, he has helped us. Our family, my family, and all this, he's helped us all along the way. Keep that in mind. Remember, the internet always lies. Remember that. The internet always lies. But God's word never lies. He has published it, most best-selling book in the world, never lies. And it says, in God, we trust. Let's keep that close to our heart. Let's keep that inside of us. And let's remember that. Father, help us to remember that today. It's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And as mentioned at the beginning of the program, today I'm continuing on with my study on God's amazing creation. And you know, it's really important to remember and acknowledge God as the creator. 
And this little creature we're studying today will is just totally stunning because it has features that you would never expect. Now, I think we've all heard the expression, you are what you eat, but this little guy takes this to the extremes. Believe it or not, the nudibranch, which is a tiny little sea slug, eats other creatures, including deadly predators, and actually uses what it's ingested as its own defense system. It literally becomes what it eats. Check it out. You are what you eat. We've all heard this saying before, but the nudibranch takes this to the extremes. The nudibranch, a type of sea slug, will ingest sponges, anemones, barnacles, other sea slugs including their own species, and other deadly predators that most other sea creatures avoid, and then actually become what they eat. For example, some will ingest poisonous sponges, store that poison in their own bodies, and then use it for their own benefit. Others will eat jellyfish or anemones and pass their poison stingers right through their stomach and into the surface of their skin, storing them in their tentacles where they can be used for defense. Also interesting is that these tiny little alien-looking life forms are one of the most common and most beautiful in the world. Nudibranchs are gastropods, which means stomach foot, and there are more than 60,000 named species of gastropods living everywhere, land and sea. The nudibranch lives in oceans and saltwater seas all over the world, and there are more than 3,000 known species. They also come in many different shapes and colors. They can be round or flat or short or long. And while some fall into the background using camouflage, others sport vast and vivid colors like bright green polka dots or colorful blue stripes. Although nudibranchs, meaning naked gill, do not have fish-like gills, they do have tentacle-like bulges on their back that they breathe through. They also have very small eyes embedded on their back, which can perceive light and darkness. However, they get around mainly by smell and feel. The two horns on their head, called rhinophores, are chemical scanners that can alert them of approaching predators, guide them to food or to other nudibranchs. In fact, occasionally they will follow the slime trail of another slug or change direction if the chemicals of the slime indicates danger. Although they have shells at birth, they eventually give it up, relying instead on their much more sophisticated weapons. This humble little sea slug showcases the incredible handiwork of the creator, as well as his love for beauty. You know, it's designs and creatures like this that remind us that there has to be a creator. I believe this is part of what the Apostle Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, where he said, For what can be known about God is plain to mankind, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made. So, they are without excuse. Now, of course, the nudibranch is also a reminder that we live in a fallen world. Animals were never meant to eat each other. God originally designed everything very good, with no death or destruction. But our rebellion in Eden was what broke that perfect creation. Now, thankfully, God has promised one day to restore the creation to its perfect state again. And He's also made a way to restore our broken relationship with Him. Because our sin nature separates us from God, and because the penalty for even just one sin is death, He placed all the punishment for sin on Himself in the person of Jesus Christ. All that sin was paid for on the cross, and death was defeated when Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. Now, salvation is a free gift, but the thing about a gift is that it has to be received. 
You have to receive the gift by trusting and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, that his sacrifice paid for your sins. You also need to repent and turn from your sinful ways and accept Jesus as Lord of your life. And I pray that you would do it today if you haven't already, because time is running out. And uh, it is important to do that. But uh, I, I need to mention as well that if you want to have more information about this, you can simply go to the website at Bible Discovery TV because we answer all of the questions there. Your husband also answers the mm -hmm. questions people ask about the Bible. And uh, we stream, of course, all of our programs there. And the 24-7 uh, network is there, Bible Discovery TV. So. Uh, it's very interesting. Okay, Corey. All right. Well, today I am talking about food in the time of the Bible. So in ancient Israel, we're going to be focusing specifically here on bread. You know, it always makes me smile when I study or even just when I think about, you know, food in the time period of the Bible, because today in our privilege, in our Western society, we often, you know, there are whole books and whole programs, eat like the Bible, eat like this, eat like that. And what we don't realize is because we don't live in a similar circumstance is that it was a very difficult thing to be an ancient Israelite living in the time period of the Bible. There weren't supermarkets like we have today. There wasn't easy, you know, exports of food throughout all seasons, giving you the variety that we have today, for example, in Canada and America. So when you go back and you look in history, you see a very different picture where human beings were very, you know, creative and, and, and hardworking in how they tried to survive. But food was about survival, not just about enjoyment. So with that said, let's take a look at one of the absolute staples of uh, ancient Israelite food, and that is bread. In the middle of Jesus's famous model prayer, he petitions God to give us this day our daily bread demonstrating quite naturally the ancient importance of this culinary staple. Bread was such an integral part of the ancient Near Eastern diet that the word could be used to mean food in general. Almost as far back as historians can see, bread has been a part of the human diet via wild and cultivated seed. Like today, there were many different ways to make a loaf. First, flour had to be processed different types of grains were used. In ancient Israel, at least two types of wheat were grown. Emmer wheat that required traditional threshing or pounding to get rid of the seed hull, and durum wheat that became more popular because it didn't require threshing. Wheat was grown from November to May, and its harvest was celebrated by the biblical Feast of Weeks. Barley was the other dominating grain of the biblical landscape. As a crop, it was more robust than wheat, tolerating harsher conditions and poorer soil. But it was also viewed as less valuable than wheat. For example, except for in a very specific circumstance, offerings to God were made of wheat flour. The heads of wheat and barley could be eaten raw or toasted, but the truly civilized way was to process them into flour. This was most often done by hand on a daily as-needed basis. Dough would then be mixed up with the flour and a liquid, any add-ins like fat, seeds, fruit, or coarser grain, and could be baked right away or leavened. The baking process itself also varied greatly. Dough could be flattened and cooked directly in the coals of a fire. It could be baked on a preheated flat rock or on a large metal circular plate heated over a fire. Ovens were also utilized, dome ovens and tanner ovens being widely attested to. 
Ancient Egypt has left us the most prolific evidence of bread baking in its pictorial representations, 3D models, and even in the form of ancient loaves themselves. From these, we learn that bread was baked in many different shapes, sizes, and forms. It could be flatbread or leavened bread. It could be shaped by hand into spirals, loaves, or models of other things. It could be stamped or baked in a pottery mold. Potted and molded bread were often baked in dome-type ovens that facilitated the stacking or placing of pots within the heated structure. The walls of tanner-style ovens were used to bake bread that had been slapped onto it. Whatever process was used, it's clear that bread baking quickly became something more than just calorie-based. It was part of a tradition of modifying the natural world, of becoming creators in our own right. It's interesting that this, cross-culturally, was then offered back to God, or the gods as it were, an act of love and devotion. Breaking bread was actually, and symbolically, an act of friendship. On tomorrow's program, we're going to be taking a look at different ways that ancient people formed their bread and adjusted their bread using, you know, different molds and stamps. And it's going to get really interesting and, and artistic even. So I hope you're able to join me on tomorrow's program. A lot of people, uh, they, they try diets, you know, like this diet, that diet, but they have to understand that the elements used were different than the elements today and it wasn't uh, it was a totally different situation back then they didn't yeah. drive through anything we anything. generally we have we have, we generally have a very the opposite problem we have you know it, today in canada and america we have such an abundance and and we're not the ones who are having to physically grind our grain or thresh our grain or even sow our grain right um and there comes a lot of benefits with that but we have the opposite problem that existed in ancient Israel. It's, I'm telling you, it's fascinating. Janice? So this Psalm, Psalm 34, is the happiness of those who trust in God. And I just think this is such an encouraging Psalm to the believer and the follower of God, the lover of God, the lover of his word. And, and it starts off, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. O men Magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And when I read that, I thought about the, the fellowship that we can have. And Corey, you talking about food so, so often, you know, in, in, in fellowship with our friends, with our churches, we have potlucks together and we eat and we have time of fellowship. And, you know, it's in those times. Have you ever noticed that when you spend time, it could even be a brand new person or a couple that you have just newly met. They could be from the other side of the world. And if they follow and serve the Lord Jesus Christ, you feel like you have been friends forever. You feel like you have known them forever because you have this unity in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And you sit around and you talk about the Lord and you talk about his goodness and you talk about the things that are going on. And maybe it's not all good things, but your your attitude and your mind shifts to where the glory should be given, where it doesn't come from us. We are weak, but God is strong. And don't you find that after those times you're lifted up? Your, your spirits have risen up and, and you just, you just are so thankful. That's what the fellowship of brothers and sisters together, because we're unified in the Lord Jesus. That's what it does. And I put here, and also when you're meeting, oh, you feel refreshed. 
and energized and thankful to the Lord. You know, it's the opposite of talking. Here it's saying in verse 13 and 14, Uh, Let's go back a little bit at verse 11. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. When we have those moments to be able to sit down together with each other, that's not the time when you go, oh, did you hear what so-and-so said? Oh, did you hear what, that, what, what that's going on? Oh, I, I gave them this sign up. Oh, no, I didn't. I thought it was terrible. Well, did you give them the care sign? Did you give them the heart? That's not what our meeting should be about. It shouldn't be talking down or badly about one another. Let's take our time to fellowship and talk about the goodness of the Lord. Talk about the good things that God has done. Let's build, us, build each other up in the Lord Jesus. It reminded me about a song, and Rod, I know it's not going to be, it's going to be high and it's going to be squeaky, but I'm just going to go for it because a lot of you write to me and say, I remember that song that you sang. (laughs) And so this is one of those way back when, way back when, and I put down some of the other verses because I know I would forget it. And I apologize for the squeakiness, but hey, it's a good song and it's called Happiness is the Lord. Happiness is to know the Savior living a life within his favor, having a change in my behavior. Happiness is the Lord. Second verse. Happiness is a new creation, Jesus and me in close relation, having a part in his salvation. Happiness is the Lord. There's a bridge. Real joy is mine. No matter if the teardrops start, I found the secret. It's Jesus in my heart. Last verse. Happiness is to be forgiven, living a life that's worth the living, taking a trip that leads to heaven. Happiness is the Lord. Yes. Happiness (laughs) is the Lord. That's where we find our happiness. Be encouraged today. God loves you. And remember that other song, count your blessings, name them one by one. There's a lot of things that we can look down on, but let's look up and lift up our hearts to Jesus today. Lord, help me to become an overcomer in this culture of sin. Father, there's sin everywhere, but I've been forgiven of my sin and many other people have. Help us, Lord, to demonstrate who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, God also heals. We have a prayer meeting, 3.30 to 4.30, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Facebook and YouTube and on Bible Discovery TV. I'm inviting you to come, 3.30 to 4.30, Be there Eastern time and we'll pray for you.